Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I, think, I feel like it's another ass comment. but Jason Jason just called you on your bluff, and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. What are we here to do today? We are here to rock out with our Osaka out. <laughs> I didn't think that you were going to use that joke so early in our episode. I just felt like, you know, we talked about it. So, you know, to our fans, sometimes we we plan these things. <laughs> we, try, <laughs> we try to be organized for you. Um, so, yeah, we wanted to spend today talking a little bit about Naomi and I think let's let's set a bit of the stage I think every time we um, we as in tennis fans start to watch a Grand Slam tournament the commentators uh, the TV personalities often say things like the women's game there's so much depth anybody can take (laughs) the trophy which means uh, in my mind, as always meant in my mind, not not one player is really all that consistent to be able to <laughs> potentially take it from Serena or to have the dominance that she has. Is that a good mm-hmm. is that a good framework for this discussion? Yeah, I mean, when I hear commentators say that, I don't think the words that pop into my head are quite as eloquent. I think of, you know, the commentators essentially saying, the women's tour is a hot mess. (laughs) (laughs) It's a hot mess. And uh, the women's players can be very streaky. The sets can be very streaky. I mean, we, we jokingly talk about it in our own league, in the GLTA league, like, if we have a match where you win the first set six love, I win the second set six <laughs> love, and then the third set is like a super tiebreaker that goes like 28-26, we, we call that a WTA match. Right. Like, what the F? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if there's seven breaks in a set, that's what we call a WTA match. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think we, f- we felt like as we watched Naomi hold her fourth slam trophy that maybe there was a bit of a shift in 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 that sort of thought about women's tennis and you know just solely sort of based on her and maybe there's some other players that I think we're going to talk about but we wanted to start just by talking about her and sort of the run that she's had um, in winning multiple slams in the last three years. Mm -hmm. I mean interestingly enough I don't remember in our Australian Open preview show calling Naomi a favorite Do you? Like, I don't remember thinking that she was going to hoist her second AO Open title. No, what we said was she has the toughest draw. Oh, right. That's right. Thank you for reminding me. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, first of all, I didn't think that she was going to face Bianca in the fourth round. I mean, she Bianca clearly had no match play, so she was very rusty. But um, yeah, even past that fourth round, she had to face Halep. 
had to face uh, Mugu, right? Mm-hmm. Mugu, and then in the final, possibly Barty. I thought Barty was my clear favorite to win, but there she was at the end of two weeks holding her fourth Grand Slam title and her fourth on a hard court. So she's clearly queen of the hard court mm-hmm. slams, I think. And what do you think uh, it is about her that where she sort of puts it on lockdown if she makes it past the fourth round? Like that fourth round mm-hmm. match against Mugu, she mm-hmm. had two match points against her mm-hmm. and then she she didn't make any errors for like the last four or five games she you you and i talked about it i think a few times now how we've we felt there was sort of a shift and mugu was maybe getting a bit tight and making a few more errors yeah you know i think that fourth round match against mugu is the perfect um jumping point to describe why naomi is going to continue to win more slams she is a player that deals with pressure situations i think better than any other of any other lady that holds that currently holds a slam i mean not to take anything away from mugu and kavitova and kerber and all of them they've obviously played in such high pressure situations but consistently you know naomi shows her medal and i don't know what your impression was when you were watching that mugu match but when mugu was up 5-3 even though she had what she had one match point two two match points you i always felt like naomi was still in it i you could kind of see that you know mugu was kind of playing to like playing not as aggressively and she was kind of fearful and like was hoping that naomi was going to make a mistake but naomi and this is true i think of every legend in women's tennis that's been a multi-slam winner she just plays the same she does play the same whether she's winning or she's losing she's not going to take her you know her foot off the pet uh, off the gas mm-hmm. she's going to play very i mean one dimensionally is a negative attribute but it in this case i think it's positive because she doesn't feel the fear she kind of hits through her through the fear and mugu in that match you're saying she was playing not to lose as opposed to playing to win yeah and you know like mugu mugu's won a couple of slams and in those slams she's managed to put 14 14 days of amazing impeccable aggressive tennis together but you could tell like in that match she definitely had she definitely had hesitation and i mean because she's clearly a champion she was in a champion's position to win that match but mentally you just she just wasn't up to par that day i think Mm -hmm. so with with osaka she once she gets past that level she's 12 and 0 12 and 0. I mean, that's there's something to be said about that, right? And um, I mean, when I was thinking about what sets, remember a couple of ep- episodes ago, we were talking about um, how annoying the press conferences were? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, we, I, actually, I was talking about how annoying the press conferences were, and they asked um, Jennifer Brady. <laughs> Sorry, did I get that right? Yes. <laughs> she goes by Jenny, and Naomi <laughs> Naomi called her Jennifer after asking her what she likes to be called. <laughs> so they asked Brady, you know, what is it about Naomi's aura? Like, describe her champion's aura. And they made a joke about it a couple of episodes ago. But when I watch Naomi, she has the same... She has the same vibe that I get when I used to watch Celis, Graf, Serena. She has this vibe of she could be down love five or she could be up 
five love, but she always is hitting through the ball. And I mean, every now and then she kind of throws a tantrum. You've talked about it before. Like she throws her racket on the court. She like, you know, she smashes her racket from time to time, but she still plays the same. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. You you never see nerves with her. Yeah, it's weird. Like I, I've seen multiple matches where it's, it's usually in the first set, set and a half where she outwardly shows uh, frustration or she's like pounding her leg or she's like, you know, just outwardly <laughs> getting frustrated or looking at her box. But in the third set, she tends to just somehow focus and like all of that stuff kind of goes away and she's able to sort of bring it home. Yeah. I mean, I have a list of a couple of key matches that really showed her mental toughness and her champion's quality. Let's just take it all the way back to her very first slam against Serena. Put yourself in her shoes. Mm -hmm. You are a Japanese Haitian player vying for your first Grand Slam. You are at the US Open against Serena Williams, who is the... I don't think that anyone can argue. I mean, we're going to get into the whole Joko, Nadal, Federer situation in a minute. But Serena is the goat of women's tennis. The f- and she was Serena was vying to tie Margaret Court's 24 slam record. You have all of these things against you, and you still managed to pull it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's number one. Number two, she beat Kvitova in Oz in 2019 after blowing two match points in the second set so you know again to your point she sometimes gets into these moments where she loses focus maybe sprays a lot of errors loses a first or second set but she however mad i actually want to know what that stat is like what her what her win what her 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 record is in three set matches yeah that would actually be good we'll get back to people next week when we're (laughs) when we're more prepared (laughs) Or, or let us know. Message us. Slide into our DMs and let us know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think to your point on her first slam win, you know, mm. she had nothing to lose going into that match. She was playing somebody who was her idol. And, you know, anybody who wants to hear a little bit of our take, they can go back to our season one episode <laughs> on that match. But anybody who watched that match your love of Serena Williams aside, Osaka played better than her and she mm. was going to win and it it sucks sort of all the drama that transpired and and that it maybe overshadowed and there was sort of this, you know, thought or concern that, you know, if, if this is her only one, I think most people knew that it wasn't going to be her only one, but that her first was sort of overshadowed by that drama um, was unfortunate, but... Um, you know, she's since won three more. Yeah, I mean, four slams, we've said this before, four slams is a big deal because she pushed herself into a new echelon of player. I think, I don't actually think you and I are going to play this game, but I don't think that there's another active WT. No, that's a lie. Venus Williams. But anyway, aside from Venus, who's like, you know, in the moonlight of her career, you know, the fact that she has four really puts her at that level. Because all these other girls have two and three. Yeah, and she's just 22 years old, and she has four. So, you know, how many did Celis have before she was 22? She had had like seven or eight before she turned 20. But that was a different era, obviously. 
Right. I I think sorry, just to something just popped in my mind. I think what's going to, you know, take Naomi to that next status of legendary is whether she can prove that she can win a slam on a surface other than hard. Because clay is going to be the most difficult surface for her to I think to to win a slam on because her serve is neutralized, her ground strokes are neutralized. I don't necessarily think of her as a crafty. She, I don't think she's a crafty player. She's an she's a player that will overpower you, and you know that's why Kvitova hasn't won at at the French because you know all of those players that normally would get blown off the court have extra time on those big babe tennis balls. Mm-hmm. I was chatting with Bobby our TLGTA leader sister about, <laughs> well, just, just via Instagram about what, what would allow her to break through at, on those other surfaces. Um, mm. She's only made the third round ever at the French Open in Wimbledon. Um, oh, wow. That's surprising. Yeah. I think, you know, what was noticeable in the AO this year was that she, she her movement, I think, has improved and you know an ability to slide on clay especially with her kind of game and that power and to be able to sort of stretch in a different way with her mm-hmm. with her game if she if she can pick that up she'll start to go further in a in in on the clay courts mm-hmm. i would think yeah and i i think that she needs to follow her shot into the net more i i don't think in any match I've ever seen her like go into the net following an aggressive forehand Mm -hmm. yeah you know and what a waste what a waste I mean they said that about Steffi Graf all the time Steffi was this player that had undoubtedly probably the best forehand in women's tennis and she never followed that into the net she was just content to hit like 15 smashing forehands from the baseline until she hit a winner you know, but you can save yourself so much time and energy by just following that shit into the net, putting <laughs> putting the volley away. <laughs> Do you think she has the capacity to sort of add that layer to her game with the serve and you know the obviously the strong back? Her backhand has gotten better as well. Uh, if mm-hmm. she could add that that sort of volley skill to her game, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, when we cover the results from uh, this past week of tennis, we're going to talk a little bit about a new player. Her name is Tossin. She's from Denmark. So, you know, protege to Caroline Wozniacki. And she's all about coming into the net. And who did you say last week? There was a player. Oh, it was a men's player. Goffin. Goffin. You know, that is, that I think is the best, at any level, recreational or pro, if you've got a big shot, it doesn't make any sense for you to kind of hang around at the back. She needs to add that to her game if she's going to become a French Open Wimbledon champion, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think the best players, as I've been watching more and more in tennis, and now that I have, we have these subscriptions, I'm watching lots, <laughs> the, 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 best, the best players know when to identify that their opponent is out of position after hitting, you know, that, that powerful ground stroke and and follow follow that into the net to put the point away. Mm-hmm. I I have a question for you. You know, I think when we discuss players that you know have multi have a lot of slams, possibly could win more slams. You know, what do you think about Naomi as an ambassador for the sport off the court? 
because you know I think to a lot of people that's just as important as the slams themselves is how they behave um you know whether you like their personalities or not I mean again just because I'm a huge Steffi Graf fan that was everyone's biggest gripe with her was that she was at the time the goat but she really kept a very private life and didn't serve as an ambassador for the sport try to promote the sport you know she was just about doing her job on the court collecting that check <laughs> and going home mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it depends on how you define an ambassador of the sport. I mean, mm. she's an ambassador for different things. She's ambassador for, you know, activism and the work that she's been doing with Black Lives Matter and how she, you know, stopped the tour during the Cincinnati tournament in 2020. Does that mm. account for being an ambassador for the sport? I would say yes, um, but more technically related to um, tennis. Uh, I, I'm not sure that she's necessarily doing that in the same way as other players, but I mean, you do that by by winning and you know bringing mm. your community um, to the sport. So for her, I'm sure there's a lot of Japanese young players who are watching her and wanting to play tennis in the same way, you know, Bianca and you know the men coming up on the here in Canada are mm. you know bringing people to the sport. So. I think what I, I think what I like about her personality is that you know I've seen I've seen I've watched a couple of interviews of her on Ellen. First of all, she's funny. Yeah. I mean, she's funny. She's quirky. She's definitely quirky, and you know she's been on the record for saying that she just likes being straightforward. She doesn't deal with bullshit. And I remember watching a clip of a post-match interview on court. And the interviewer asks her, you know, how does it feel being a Japanese player, um, uh, being a Japanese player representing Japan at this tournament? I forget which one it was. And she's like, well, my dad is half Asian, half Haitian. Yeah. And she'll so she'll let you know she's not about like political correct political correctness and like dancing around, you know, making people happy. She's just gonna tell you what it is straight to the point and i think that that's very refreshing mm-hmm. what do you think about the <laughs> fact that she back to the tennis part uh-huh. the fact that she's actually won more slams than she has tour level titles <laughs> really yeah that's a stat that i didn't know well i'm here to i'm here to represent <laughs> i'm here to represent the stats that can't be possible. So she's so she's won more Grand Slam titles than she's won even like two fifty. I mean, she's not playing two fifty right. level tournaments, but I mean, she's clearly what really? Yeah, she's so she's won four slams and she's won three other titles. So I think it it begs the <laughs> the question and the conversation is uh-huh. what what is it that allows her to lock things down once she gets past the fourth round. Uh, that mm. is not sort of translating into the other tour level events. I mean, uh, the only reason that I can think of is that she's a big tournament player. She lives for the big occasions, for the big moments. There are just people that know how to lay it the F down mm-hmm. when it comes to Grand Slams. And I mean, you know, the four that she has under her belt are astounding i mean she's obviously lost in slams before but 
Yeah, I don't. I, I I think she's just like a. I think she's a big match player. She likes the big occasion. She's she said before that she loves facing, you know, players that are better than her. She's talked about facing her idol Serena Williams, and she lives for that occasion where there are a lot of. I mean, like I think about myself. I, I mean, if you gave me a choice to play against Roger Federer or freaking Martin Fuksovic, what's what's his name? <laughs> Fu- Fu- <laughs> Fuskovic, Fuskovic, to vie for my first Grand Slam title. I am not choosing Roger Federer. Because <laughs> you want to be honest, you want that slam. I want that slam. I but you know Naomi's like no. If I'm gonna win a slam, I want to face the best. I want to face the goat. No, honey. I <laughs> I I want the easy way out. <laughs> but I I think um, you know four slams aside, it would be you know her career is I think going to grow and people are going to think more highly of her and she's going to get to that goat level status if she can begin to win more of the sort of big titles that are not slams as well she's won Indian Wells before but she Mm. needs to you know win the Indian Wells multiple years as well yeah yeah I mean I I don't see honestly at this point I don't see Naomi being a like uh you know in one calendar year winning more than two slams to me that also kind of sets a tone for how dumb obviously how dominant you are if you can win more more than two slams in a calendar year like you're the effing shit i don't see that for her because i mean going back to your original comment at the beginning of this conversation the women's game is so deep (laughs) (laughs) that you know a girl like jennifer brady could string 14 days and win wimbledon Mm -hmm. you know yeah but we'll see we'll have to see so that's a good segue you're (laughs) you've come up with a good segue so (laughs) of the women today who are the ones that can compete I guess, or or sort of run alongside Naomi for multiple slam titles. Um, I'm gonna say Mugu. Mugu clearly has the game for it. She's a very, I mean, she does have a very similar game to Naomi, minus the fact that she doesn't have that strong of a serve. But she's got incredible ground strokes and just very aggressive. She's gonna win a couple more. Um, Halep. I think. I mean, Halep, how old? I want to say she's in her late 20s. Halep is 29. 29. I mean, you know, maybe the age conversation, maybe age isn't that much of a factor anymore, but I still think she's got a couple of slams left in her, in her career. Barty, obviously. And, I mean, Cuckoo for Coco Golf. Cuckoo for Coco Golf is just... <laughs> <laughs> she's on the rise yeah. she's gonna win her slam in the next two or three years i'm telling you and uh every, everybody better be scared about her everybody you didn't talk about her. iga iga yeah no no i forgot about iga like i i like iga i think iga's got i think iga's got the game iga t- i mean not just because she won the french open but iga has even though she's aggressive her game translates better on all surfaces mm-hmm. And so I think when you look at Iga versus um, Naomi, Iga could be like a Maria Sharapova situation where she wins all of the slams because her game just translates so beautifully on all of the surfaces. And Naomi might just be like your hardcore, hardcore 
slam champion. Yeah, it is. And never get a French Open. <laughs> it is interesting <laughs> that you mentioned Maria. I think in terms of like temperament and focus, though Naomi and Maria are are very similar. I think Osaka has has I think come into that a little bit in terms of you don't agree with me, you're giving me a face. <laughs> <laughs> I I what? In terms of you think f- that focus? <laughs> you don't think that they focus in the same way on the court? I don't, I don't see it. No? I don't see it. I don't oh, see it. shit, son. <laughs> I don't know. Let us know. I mean, I would ne- I don't, I would never, not never, but I wouldn't automatically make that comparison in terms of mental fortitude between Maria, not mental fortitude, but like just kind of, well, that's what you're saying, right? Mental toughness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, yeah, maybe. And sure. I think, okay. you know, Maria is somebody who nobody ever thought she would win the French, but she won that more than any other slam. So if she and she obviously figured out her movement and how to how to play on clay. Mm. So if that's something Naomi can do, then maybe she'll follow Maria and she'll have two two French opens. <laughs> you're right. You're right. So who okay, other than the players that we just mentioned, who do you think also has a chance to contend for slams on the ladies side well i'm like you like you said earlier the the ladies game is so topsy-turvy i think (laughs) there's there's not a player who can consistently string together a a run in the way that players used to be able to on the women's side Mm -hmm. the the martinas the the celises the grafs so i mean Mm -hmm. of the the active players you know, Kvitova maybe has a shot, uh, mm. uh, but she's 31. So if we're mm-hmm. talking about age, then that's a consideration. We, you know, we gave the the um, the the request for counseling and support for Kerber. So, uh, <laughs> but I don't think there's much chance of her having another slam. Um, she's done. But Bianca, you know, there's Bianca and Be- Oh my god, and Bianca. <laughs> I think it's it's Bianca, Iga and Osaka. They're going to be sort of running mm. the train. Yeah. I think they're the 3. I like that trio. Oh my god, forgive me Canadian tennis, <laughs> Tennis Canada for not adding Bianca to that conversation. Yeah. Listen, Bianca at the Australian Open was a hot mess. She was a hot flaming mess (laughs) and no tea no shade we love you i'm not going to get into that diatribe of why bianca was a flaming mess needless to say she does have the game to be a multi-slam winner Mm -hmm. and again talking about translation on all surfaces bianca has that yeah she really does she has the most i think to be honest with you she has the most gifts you know, in as a religion teacher, we talk about many gifts and, you know, what children bring to the world, all of their specialized gifts. Bianca has more gifts, no offense, Naomi and Iga, to bring to the table than those two girls because she is power, but also finesse at the same time. So that bitch better get her shit together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real quick. I agree with you. So mm-hmm. I think, does that wrap up our... <laughs> Our ladies' discussion, our Osaka, and who's going to hop on the train beside her or be on the train beside her? I Yeah, I think it, I think it does. I mean, with the next slam is going to be what? The French? French? French Open. The French Open. And 
although she is the reigning slam champion, I truly do not think that anyone's going to be talking about her to win the French. No. Just because her game is so hardcore. Yeah, she has some work to do to improve her game on clay to be able to be part of that conversation, I would think. Mm, Do you know how many active women there are with Grand Slam titles? (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Okay. Let's... uh, Okay. Just throw out a number. No, I'm going to... You're going to list them. Okay, here we go. I'm going to list them. List them. Venus Williams. Venus Williams. Serena Williams. Victoria Azarenka. Svetlana Kuznetsova. Um, uh, Angelique Kerber, Garbina Muguruza, Petra Kvitova. Oh gosh, uh, I Simona Halep. Eight, we're at eight. And I mean, I'm not going to extend this length of silence for any longer, so I'm just going to say eight. Am I missing how many? How many? No, no, no. You uh, <laughs> have missed eight other players. What? Active players? Yeah. Do you want me to read them? No. Kim Kleisters. Okay, Kim, Kim Kleisters. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Kim Kleisters. Are we talking about singles champions? Yeah, singles. Uh, uh, who? Uh, what? Okay, go ahead. No, name, name the rest of them. Uh, the rest of them would be. I, I, I'm going to. I think you said Naomi, but. Um, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, we've only talked about her for 25 minutes. So we'll, we'll give you a pass on that one. Oh, Iga. 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 Bianca. Oh, yeah. Dumb. Ash. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yelena Ostapenko. Oh, ew. 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 <laughs> ew. I hate her. I hate her. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, Sloan. Fuck. Oh. And the last one. 2011 U.S. Open champion defeated Serena Williams in the final. Roberta Vinci. No. Oh, what? Sam Stozer. Oh, shoot, son. Shoot, son. Shoot, son. (laughs) But, I mean, the way that she's been playing, I assume that she was already retired. (laughs) I think she's mostly focused on doubles. Yeah, her baby. Ebden. Ebden. Yes. Mixed doubles. Sweet. So um, moving on from a sort of potential future goat to the current crop of men on the top three. Well, then mm. not the top three, the, the, the big three, <laughs> as they call them. Veterans <laughs> returning. Yes. And uh, all of his fans made sure to let everyone on social media know about that. Yeah. Veterans <laughs> returning in... Doha, and then mm-hmm. he will play in Miami, I believe. Okay, and this yeah. is on the heels of losing his overall top weeks at number one. Yeah, I mean, I'm really curious what you think about this GOAT discussion between Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer. I, I mean... Of the three, I would say, I mean, I think I should know this answer. I would say that you have a very warm spot for Federer. I think you're a tennis purist. I think you just love his, you know, on-court demeanor. He's very gentlemanly. Um, but yeah, who who do you think is the GOAT? I don't know. I don't, did you see that, <laughs> see that clip that I posted a couple years ago when Delpo beat 
him at Indian <laughs> Wells and the tears that I got in my eyes because he was crying like a little baby because he wasn't getting calls and stuff. He, oh, really? So you're not a fed I mean, fan. I'm, I, I can appreciate what he's done for the sport, obviously. I can appreciate what all three of them have done. I've, I can say that I'm not really necessarily a huge fan of, of either of them. I can say mm. that when Djokovic sort of made his breakthrough in 2011, I started to become a fan of his. But like any player who comes to dominate, I tend to... I tend to like the underdog, so I want new people to yes. to be constantly winning, which is why, you know, for anybody who listens to our earlier episodes in season one, I was talking about wanting people to pay attention to the Medvedevs, the Tsitsipasas, because they're, you know, the future players that we want to be um, winning slams. Mm-hmm. In terms of the GO conversation, you could, people, tennis fans can have this conversation for hours and hours and hours. Uh, The stats are starting to, I think, lean more towards Djokovic, obviously. Yes. You know, based on the fact that he is now overtaking Federer in terms of overall weeks at number one, which is 300. It'll be 311. So he'll surpass Mm -hmm. Federer. And um, those of you who don't know, he became number one for the first time in July of 2011 when he won Wimbledon. Mm -hmm. And since then, he's been number one for 310 weeks, which if you do the math, there's 52 (laughs) weeks in a year. So that is about six years. So six of the last nine and a half years, give or take, he has been number one, which is pretty dominant. And the other fact, I think, which I read, you know, somebody, (laughs) somebody who is Serbian posted this. So take it with a grain of salt. Um, (laughs) Federer was number one for 285 weeks when Djokovic Mm. became number one for the first time. So for the last 10 years, Federer has only been number one 25 weeks, which is, you know, it's half a year, (laughs) (laughs) but it's not quite six years. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Federer's career, Federer had... I almost think of it like Chinese Chinese dynasties. Like his dynasty of being the number one and snatching all of them trophies and slams and masters and all of that happened truly at the beginning of his career when there was no Djokovic. There was an Adele. There was for sure an Adele. But uh, there wasn't this trifecta of players vying for the GOAT. So I think that is an argument that a lot of people put forward to say that Fed, although he's, I think I do believe that a lot of people are rooting and pushing for Fed to be the GOAT because he's just so likable and so, and such an amazing ambassador for the sport that because Djokovic really wasn't part of the equation at the beginning of his career, that he doesn't deserve full GOAT status. Mm -hmm. But Joko here, who is, you know, we've talked about it before, makes a lot of questionable decisions, um, seemingly has an egotistical streak, um, uh, you know, is very polarizing in terms of, you know, his on-court antics and off-court decisions. He has managed to collect all of these stats, as you just mentioned, when Roger and... um, Rafa 
were at the top of their games. Mm -hmm. So how could you argue with that? I mean, there's a lot of people that involve emotion when they argue who is the GOAT. But when you look at the straight up stats, it's very difficult to take the GOAT title away from from Joko. Mm -hmm. Especially now that he has surpassed Roger in in terms of weeks at number one. Yeah, and Nadal is not anywhere close i think i shared earlier with you it's like 196 weeks or something no you know that's it's pretty terrible compared to the other two but <laughs> you know what what joko also has is the 12 times distilled water going for him <laughs> <laughs> um you know all, yeah. all of that aside i think one of the things that i think irritates people about djokovic versus Federer is sort of Federer mm. goes about his 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 business. He plays, he wins, he does it <laughs> gracefully. He floats on the court. <laughs> Djokovic, you know, talks about how he wants to achieve certain things. He wants to beat certain records. Like he's talked very openly about wanting to, you know, surpass. I think. Natal and and Federer he has Mm. obviously this annoying father who has something against (laughs) Federer for some reason but I think people don't necessarily uh, take to somebody in the same way who vocalizes their desire to to win which is not Mm -hmm. something that necessarily uh, Federer and Nadal do which is perhaps why they're loved more than Djokovic who vocalizes it that is that is really messed up. <laughs> I, I, I know, honestly, I think that's really messed up. I mean, why are we normalizing um, not going for your dreams in an in an obvious way? I mean, I when I that doesn't that doesn't um, make me feel a way about Djokovic when he says that he wants to become and cement himself as the goat. It doesn't. It. I actually really respect that about him, mm-hmm. that he is very vocal about his ambitions and his goals. You know, why, why, why would people feel a ways about, like, why would people put Roger Federer on a pedestal for being, maybe it's the, it's the humility. I don't know. Yeah. Is it the humility? I think, you think? there's a little bit of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, I think in doing this podcast, what I have learned about tennis is that although we are in 2021, there are still very real um, attitudes and beliefs about tennis being a conservative kind of gentleman's sport that people love to hold on to. And I, I think that's why Roger Federer is such an icon is because he fits that narrative perfectly. Yeah. You want you want like to look in the history of tennis textbook and see Roger Federer as like the perfect role model for the sport. Whereas, you know, Novak Djokovic over here who is, you know, uh, you know, says such salacious things to the media is he really going to be the best kind of role model for our sport in years and generations to come? I don't know. I just think that it, tennis is still a very kind of old school mentality sport. Have you not? Have you not felt that? Yeah, in doing I, the podcast? I can appreciate that. Yeah, I think there's there's something there for sure. I do hope that people have an appreciation for, you know, 
his play and his titles and the records that he's broken and, you know, are still left to be broken, I guess, because, Mm. you know, hopefully people don't just remember him for the guy who struck the lines woman in the throat and (laughs) the guy who, you know, created a charity event that caused the spread (laughs) of (laughs) COVID-19. Like hopefully they'll remember him for, those other things that he did on the court and, you know, the things that he's done as well for charity in the same way that Nadal and Federer have. But I, mm-hmm. there is something about his persona that rubs people the wrong way that um, mm-hmm. might be challenging for his legacy. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's no secret. You're a very, um, a very keen follower of the ATP tour. In my recollection, I don't I can't think of a slam that had a that had kind of an emotional context that Djokovic won. You know, like he seems to just kind of mechanically move through the draw, win a slam, pocket that pocket that, you know, that check, <laughs> go back to Serbia and put that slam trophy on his mantle. Whereas, you know, I maybe it's a narrative that's constructed by you know, tennis aficionados and the media. But when I watch Roger, there's so much more sentiment that's attached to him winning a slam. Mm-hmm. And those are the those are the slams that are the most memorable, especially this rivalry that they created between Rafa and and Roger. So, you know, I I don't know. It's just it's I think that if you're a person a person that leads with emotions that uh, you know Roger and Rafa are your guys and Novak is just out there collecting all those trophies without a lot of kind of hullabaloo surrounding himself well and you know to take the side of the Djokovic fans there were people who had I think a lot of sentiment for Federer because they saw his career and his opportunities to win slams sort of that window was closing in 20 mm. after 2012 when it took him you know another four and a half years before he won in australia in 2018 but mm-hmm. um and that that was when Djokovic was winning all of his slams so <laughs> so what can yeah. you say about that and you know obviously one of the big finals that the two of those those players had together was Wimbledon in 2019 when they went to 12 all and mm. and uh Joko, Joko won <laughs> won the tie the tie break 7-3 it's hard it's heartbreaking that is heartbreaking <laughs> for a Federer fan yeah oh my god to think he could oh, win another god. Wimbledon title yeah I know, I know. I mean, do, so maybe to wrap up this conversation, do you think Fed has a slam left in him? I mean, we'll have to see how he does in his comeback in these first two events. And it'll be interesting to see whether he plays on the clay. You know, traditionally the last few years, except for, I believe, 2019, he played the clay. So he would just take the clay mm. off and prepare for the grass and from Wimbledon. So I suspect mm-hmm. he'll probably do the same. Like he'll come back for these two hardcore events and then skip the clay altogether. Mm. But yeah, I think it'll, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, but I, I, if I was to um, make a guess, I would say no. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Sorry. Fed fan. Sorry. Fed fans <laughs> who are our fans. Hopefully you're still our fans. <laughs> 
I think that he's got one Wimbledon left. You do? Okay. I do. I think he's got. I I am a I am a romantic, and I believe in, you know, the universe creating situations for legendary people and players that just perfectly finish their careers. And I do I do believe just like Serena, just like Serena and tie, tying Margaret Court's record, I think Federer is going to win his last Wimbledon when fan oh my god, I'm getting really emotional. Why am I doing that? Oh my god. <laughs> when when do you need a when tissue? Fans, <laughs> I think I might. Oh my god. When fans get when fans are again allowed to, um, back to watch tournaments, I think he's going to win that Wimbledon. And I think he's going to say, this is my time to just finish my career. That, he's going to do it next year. That's an interesting layer too. Like he hasn't played during COVID at all. So he, he's used to having a full stadium of fans. So he's going to be playing for the first time, I think with reduced fans, which is probably something <laughs> he's, he's not used to. Unlike most WTA players. <laughs> it's really embarrassing it makes me so embarrassed why can you not shoot the players coming on court from an angle where you don't see the stands <laughs> it's really embarrassing so we wanted to wrap up this week by talking about the results from the week do you want to talk mm. about you you, <laughs> you admitted that you didn't watch a ton but I think mm. you and I the 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 match that caught our our attention, I think, the most before she withdrew was the Azarenka match against Svitolina. Yeah, I mean, Vika is our girl. She's been on our show. We obviously follow her. Even before she was on our show, we were big fans of her. She's been dealing with a, a lower back issue, I believe, and she tweaked it during the warm-up against her quarterfinal Svitolina match. I watched the highlights of that and I am you're going to help me answer this question <laughs> how in the F did she win that match against the number one seed and I mean it's not even just the seed like she faced Svitolina who is one of the most athletic players on the tour with a back injury and she won like what four and two it or was something two and three maybe what yeah how i have no idea i was watching the match as well and the girl could not sit down during the changeover she would stand she closed her eyes she would breathe <laughs> i think she was trying to find the right spot where she could stand so that the pain wasn't so bad she had i think one or two injury timeouts but yeah she would just get on court as you saw she couldn't get much on her serve at a certain point mm. but it, she wasn't taking much off her ground strokes and she mm. would try her best to just end the points as soon as she could and she was doing it successfully yeah and that i mean uh, i've played players that have had real injuries have feigned injuries it is frustrating because you're like how are you winning <laughs> <laughs> i'm able i'm like i'm not injured i should be winning the match and she, to your point azarenka was just keeping those points very short mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was interesting. But then I kind of knew, and we were kibitzing, or maybe just me, with one of the Azarenka fan pages. And, you know, I kind of <laughs> knew she was going to withdraw. Like, there was no way she could play another match the next day. So Mugu went to the final. And then mm -hmm. after, you know, demolishing 
Sakari, she got demolished <laughs> herself by Kavitova. Two and one. That two and one. That is based on how well Mugu is playing. That speaks to, I guess, how well Kavitova is playing. Yeah, I mean, I forget who Kavitova lost to at the Oz at the Australian Open, but um, Kavitova is, you know, just making it a full circle, tying it back to our earlier conversation about Naomi Osaka. Kvitova is a player that on any given day and on any given two week period <laughs> can just blast you off the mother effing court. Mm-hmm. I watched that match. Mugu didn't really do a lot wrong. She had a lot of unforced errors, yes, but I mean Mugu's prone to do that because she goes for so much. But Kvitova is big babe tennis to the T. Big serve, big forehand, big backhand. The fact that she's a lefty and she just, she won her second title, girl, mm-hmm. in Doha. I think it's her. Oh, th- Cotter, Cotter. I, th- I think it's her third there, no? Maybe? Oh, I don't, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Do you know that of the active slam winners, hmm. uh, other than Serena, Venus, and Kim, she has the most overall WTA titles at 28? I did not know that. Yeah, you well, you posted that you posted that on our IG. Yeah, so she's she's made thirty eight finals and she's won twenty eight. That's a pretty good record. Yeah, she's she is. A f- How old is she? I want to say she's like late twenties. She is thirty one in March, so she turns thirty one this month. I mean, and the thing about her, I mean, like if we're going to talk about age as a factor. Age really isn't truly a factor in her game because if she has a big game, she just relies on her her shot making. Mm-hmm. So I I mean I would say that she is also a contender to win a couple more slams. Yeah, TBH. let's hope so. I mean she hasn't won one in seven years since Wimbledon twenty fourteen, but obviously mm-hmm. she went through the um, issue with the home invasion. Mm-hmm. And then the stabbing. Yeah. So, um, but she's she's playing at a level that she could she could win win another Wimbledon, and hopefully they don't use their insurance and they actually <laughs> run that tournament. Can I just say something mildly shady? The only thing that she needs to change about her game is her is her like come on. Oh, it's Have too you, loud. What is she saying? Why does she sound like she's screaming? <laughs> is that even a word? What is that? I've asked Russell before. What is she saying? I don't think she's she's like I'm not going to I'm not going to scream into the mic, but she's literally screaming. <laughs> like not even saying a word. Maybe we should ask our listeners what they think she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're going to come up with anything. She sort of she howls and then she bends as she's howling, she sort of bends down and it's like a come on, but we don't know what it is. It's a shriek. <laughs> um and i guess finally we should talk about the the russian ruthless rublev yeah you know okay listen i i'm kind of frustrated you're frustrated with rubes i am i'm frustrated with him because listen he did come up against his countryman and lost to medi smeddy medi oh he looked he looked out of it in that match he looked like he so hot (laughs) so hot he he needed a nap 
But like, you know, I I'm starting to put Ruby in this category in the same categories um what's that guy's name? Ferrer. Okay. He's never going to win a fucking slam. Sorry. But like I, I and I'm getting a little pissed. I don't know why. I don't know why all of a sudden I'm getting pissed, but like, you know, why are you, you so aggressive? You, <laughs> you're like bringing the goods in Rotterdam like against the the Dracula with the vampire Fuchs, Fuskovich. Fuchs, uh, Fuskovich. <laughs> I mean, listen. That, was that really a hard final for you to win? No offense, Fuskovich. He played. But... Fuskovich played really well. He, uh, yeah. He just. <laughs> I think what's what's so good. Why Rublev is so good is he. He just. He doesn't. He barely misses a ball. He bides his time. He'll. Mm. He puts you out of position. You think he's gonna go, you know, down the line, but he still hits that inside out f- forehand to like swing you further out of position. And that mm. makes you look like a little bitch. You know what? And listen, you're absolutely right. I'm not going to argue on that. I believe you when you say that. But that's going to put him in like a second tier category of player. Like put him in an any fight. Okay, the, the the stat that was posted about his results at 500 level tournaments where he's like 20. He's like on this insane win streak. Bring bring that game to the slams, bitch. I think like, he can. You think? I think he can. I think he, you know, he's sort of on that trajectory of like one step at a time. He does need, he's now, I think he's now ready. Like he's won four, his last four or 500 events in a row. So now, now it's time. You got to, you got to make the move. I'm just, I don't know. I, when I saw that result, I got really irritated. I'm like, you, I did. I was like, just give it to Fuskovich. Yeah. Just give it to him because, like, you know, you've won so many 500-level tournaments. Like, I uh, – the reason why I'm getting frustrated is because I do recognize that this guy has so much talent. You even know Jason. I was, like, calling him to win the, the tour finals. He rode into those tour finals last year in London with a lot of fire. But he just fell flat and looked so freaking Again, the same word, pedestrian against the big three. And it pisses me off mm-hmm. because, like, you you just want to win 500s your whole career? Like, just retire, bro. <laughs> retire. Like... <laughs> oh, my God. Whoa. I mean, <laughs> that's a bit a bit of a stretch. I think he's, like, 24, 23. I know. <laughs> but um, I do think he uh, he's, he's on the precipice. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. He's on the precipice. So we'll see okay, well, we... how he does in Doha and if he plays Miami and how he takes it to the clay cuz he's he can win on clay as well. So we'll see how he does. I I think he's as I said on the precipice. I just like saying that word, precipice. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. I mean, I like you am a big supporter of the next crop that's going to take over the mantle for the big three Mm -hmm. like you know what we've had we had we've had enough of you winning like cc pass medvedev rublev help me out here who else team team like we've had it with you like having these upset victories at these stupid masters and 500 level tournaments like Grow up, get it. No, seriously, get into that slam and get it. Yeah. Like, don't let these three guys that are like running away with tennis records continue to like solidify themselves as like the goat. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? What's your problem? No, it pisses me off. Like, show up, show up to the slam. Fuck. <laughs>
Sorry. <laughs> Do you hear that, Roundich? He's talking to you. <laughs> I, 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 you know, listen, I want the men's game to be just as, of just, okay, it's, this is wrong. Just as fucked Not up. As, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I want, I want to go into a slam being like, who's going to win it? Right. I, I want that. It was so kind of like, oh, you know, Georgie Porgy, so boring. Djokovic, Djokovic winning his Australian Open again. Like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. We're, we're all waiting. I think we're, we're all waiting for the changing of the garden. As we've talked about it the last few episodes, it has to be somebody beating one of these guys in the final. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully we get that to happen this year. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I think that's it. That's all she wrote, girl. Yeah, like, share, subscribe, and like such as. I think you're going to hear me say that again shortly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for all of those new listeners that we've acquired. You know, we see that you've been downloading our wonderful, extensive library of season one and season two episodes. We hope you enjoy. Enjoy it. And see you next week. Bye. We're here for your tennis tainment or your tentertainment, or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five-star review. And like, share, and subscribe, and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.